If you make a mistake, it's staying in. Once in a great while, I'll correct it, but it's pretty rare. Usually, I just, <laughs> if I can edit it out, I will, but I don't usually do drop-ins once in a while. Because whenever I do a drop-in, like someone like Slurmo will be like, so the it doesn't match up. The tone of your voice or something is a little off there. Yeah, I mean, considering our audio quality is pretty garbage to begin with, <laughs> I'm always impressed with that. This show is not for the easily offended, so if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Welcome back, listeners. It's Indie Comic Book Noise, episode 488. Here we are in the bloom of fall. Wait, is fall bloom? Well, anyways, it's the Indie Comic Book Noise crew coming at you. And it's our standard, typical allotment, as has been happening of late. That standard allotment is extra special host, the Ottawa Otter, dialing in from the nation's capital in Ottawa. Phil, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Anything exciting happening up there at the canal? <gasps> uh, nope. <laughs> and dial- uh, dialing in from the icebox. In uh, White Horse Terra, Yellow Knife, or wherever he's from. <laughs> oh, nice. It's WWX Whirlwind. Kevin, what's going on, Kevin? I think you might want to reverse the word bloom and use whatever that is for the season. Like um, something about decaying or, uh, you know, workshop that. Yeah, we're trying to uplift people, Kevin, not bum them out. They get bummed well, out you, you, when you, they talk about you, when we talk about our reviews. Well, it's it's not too hot, so you can wear a coat. You know, you have those pockets, so if you need stuff with you, you have the pockets in the jacket, and it's like a windbreaker, but it's not a winter coat, so it's like comfortable. It's all good. You get okay. to see all the leaves changing color. Very comforting, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the gentle embrace as the weather turns. Indie Comic Book Noise, the show you're listening to, is part of the Deliberate Noise Network, which is a collection of podcasts and lifestyle brands with everything, and I mean everything, that you could possibly want to listen to. A DC podcast? Yeah, they have a DC podcast. A Valiant podcast? I'm sure they do. Uh, What type, Phil? Horror? Horror movies? Uh, they must have that. I mean, they've got so much stuff, I-, I can't even keep track. So go check them out. If you want old episodes of this show, you can go to our website, IndieComicBookNoise.com, where I also put in show notes. And sometimes, some of these times, there's links to different things, and I try to put them in the show notes as well. But, you know, Kevin runs all that, so sometimes he'll just delete stuff or insert malicious links, those sorts of things. Sometimes it'll say G.I. Joe issue 181. Yeah, exactly. So, I know you heard a disclaimer at the beginning of the show, but don't be afraid. That's just a recognition of the fact that because Indie Comic Book Noise covers so many different topics, some of them can be a little mature, for lack of a better word, or sensationalistic, so we leave that in to protect people. But really, we, as I always disclaim, 
Never say anything controversial. Yeah. None of us yeah. ever fucking swear. So it's yeah. okay. And sometimes I disclaim Andrew's disclaimer with the craziest, most controversial thing that we might say that may or may not represent our views. Like, uh, guys, uh, Steve Ditko has died. Or uh, ban creators and companies from making any sequels to anything they ever created. Yeah, I think that uh, Ditko dying news maybe is not hot off the presses. <laughs> I know people know it takes us a long time to post episodes, but I want you to know that we're not that far behind. <laughs> oh, I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, the ghost of Steve Ditko might be very well alive. He might be traveling to those different realms. Uh, that That's a possibility. You can follow us on social media, Twitter, Indie Comic Book, and Facebook fan page. But I don't, I'm not on Facebook, so I know nothing about. Reportedly. No, definitely I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and Indie Comic Book Noise for new listeners is just, we sort of have a loose remit. We talk about whatever books, old or new, industry news. Try and keep it light and fluffy. You know, sometimes it gets heavy accidentally, but like I said, any comic books noise, you know, it's everything. Except for, you know, exclusively Marvel and DC, so it's hard to put a saddle on that and keep it in one lane. I mean, we still cover corporate IP farms here. I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid. Yeah, I mean, well, everything that's not Marvel and DC, there's still a lot of big properties out there that have a lot of high value. Mm-hmm. Uh, still are... a lot of franchises, still a lot of um, everything. Yeah. Unless you're making like that that stapled zine with five copies in your basement, uh, you're probably probably in that category. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, indie isn't about the size of the property; it's about the ethos behind it. I mean, not to date the show, but Kevin, as you informed me on Twitter today. Todd McFarlane's a billionaire, so <laughs> clearly Actually, he's quite successful. So he can make all the shit he spy comics he wants. <laughs> I mean, he will be after he puts all these new Spawn verse books out. But there's this website that is seems like it's not at all credible, but you can literally type up anyone's name and net worth, and it'll tell you their net worth. So it's it's hilarious. Just do it for fun sometimes. So I just typed in Todd McFarlane and I said he three hundred million. Whoa, that's a lot of that's a lot of Spawn toys <laughs> and a lot of Spawn comics. But I think I am going to not comment on Spawn this episode. I'm still on the Spawn train, Phil. Woo-hoo. That counts as commenting on Spawn. What we just did. Oh, but you know we're not talking so about the comic. We books. have to start next episode. But I am still there, about number two of something, King's uh-huh. Pond, whatever number two just came out. So You know, if we ever had a Patreon reward, if we had like a Patreon or a Substack or whatever, whatever people are doing, uh, you could have a t-shirt that says Spawn is the new Black Hammer, you know, according to our coverage. I, I was going to make that comment, actually. Yeah, except people want Spawn. You're one of us, Andrew. <laughs> They're, they got people sitting on boxes of just Spawn comics, Kevin. Literal. Well, built a literally. throne out of them. 
I'll tell you right now, I didn't pick up issue two of Kingspawn. <laughs> they love that bill already. <laughs> but, oh, good point. Kevin, you had a good point. Phil, did it sell out and you weren't able to find it? <laughs> no, that's not the reason. I couldn't believe, there were a lot of copies at the store. I was, uh, <laughs> again, you know, just assuming I got there early before, you know, because I assume it's when school lets out. And that's when yeah. all the 13 and 14 year olds <laughs> line up to buy multiple copies of the Spawn comics. But I'm still keeping up on series, boys. Still reading mm-hmm. Fight Girls. Still reading uh, Dying Might I haven't tried lives. that yet. Is that one I have to try, Fight Girls? Do uh, you like Frank oh, Joe? No, oh, okay. no, that's right. I remember that one. I do have the first issue, but yeah, yeah I never okay. got anything beyond that. Yeah, um, and Phil, I bought the new uh, issue of Vinyl. Number four, so I'm still oh, really? on that. But you don't I'm, have one two yet. No. Uh, <laughs> and for some reason, I'm still buying Bunny Mask. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm surprised about. That I don't get. I guess I understand that it's a bunny character, and you'll buy anything that's a bunny. So I'm guessing that's why you're doing this. Yeah. Also, you know, it I, it's not going to run. What is it going to be? Four issues, five issues. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I, why not? I feel like it's a bunny. Yeah. You know, you're already in it to this far. Might as well go. Yeah, it just seems like an odd pick for you. And uh, G.I. Joe. So, you know, we're not going to get into some of those, but I do want people, because we oftentimes cover either weird old stuff or Mm -hmm. like new number, new series. Uh, Dear listeners, we do, you know, keep up with stuff and and read like ongoing things. It's just, and sometimes we do updates, but, you know, we are still reading these things although it's harder and harder sometimes to find long running i think that was some of the excitement too with me jumping mm-hmm. on the train it was like oh maybe i'll really get into it and start buying like the next 200 issues or something and it'll be like my signature thing mm-hmm. but that is not very likely <laughs> there's yeah. a big change coming up but... i don't yeah, the, the, it's funny that you mention stuff like that because uh, the latest eleven o'clock comics had uh, the title of the episode, I believe, was something like uh, second issues. Like they were going to cover a lot of second issues, which makes sense. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm not saying it's not. And how often have I noted that sometimes I think I'd be better jumping in on a second issue because sometimes I feel like issue number one. Is just kind of batting the ball around on setup too much. Where that getting right in there in issue two and not knowing the characters and what's going on can be kind of a cheap thrill. Yeah. I, it's very indie. They just, I guess it, it was all indie all the time with any publisher. You would just jump in at whatever number was available. Oh, and I was able to secure on eBay the Groove versus Conan. But I had to get it from Canada. Wow. So is it you, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny. Um, yeah. Oh, sure. Don't cut me any break or anything. <laughs> but I'll be curious how it all works out. I wonder if they're Canadian editions or not. I don't know. Uh, you, you get a Canadian price variant or something? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they have comics up there, don't they? Or is it all just... Uh, Michael DeForge and Captain uh, Canuck. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you said it correctly. 
I keep on thinking of Steve's pronunciation. Kipton? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which word. I'm not Michael DeForge. <laughs> Is it Michelle DeForge or whatever? All right. We're getting silly and off topic. All right. Yeah. Who has a book for us? I have a book, but I, I was looking for the latest previews just, just briefly. And it looks like Cobra is collecting two arcs in one trade paper. Like, you know, they did only six issues at Image in the single issues, and then he went to self-publishing issues again. Mm-hmm. It's like, it looks like they're both combined into, like, the next trade paperback. So I was, I was it was interesting. I never went beyond the first trade paperback, but it's one I always wanted the rest of, because I definitely, yeah, it was pretty cool. yeah. What would you say? He's got, what, maybe 30 issues or something of that, Kevin? If you had to ballpark it, all told from his own start and then moving over and then back to his own? 40? It's 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 at least 40. Wow. Better than I thought. Yeah. I mean, I knew it had been going... I, I read some of the early ones online, so it's hard for me to translate that into what would be in it. You know, you read it and you're like, was that an issue, or was that like seven issues, or half yeah. an issue, or whatever? So, but I just thought it was interesting because now it's like, oh, you got to rebuy those issues in a way. So I was like breaking down the cost of the trade. Mm-hmm. But I like it's still like, going to be cheaper. I wonder probably, if it's printed than, on uh, the same type of paper because I like that, uh, like the paper it was done on the, on the trade I had. Yeah, in it. yeah. yeah. Thick, I think it was a thick paper, if I remember. Yeah, it's not the traditional, just mm-hmm. glossy cover, some glossy pages type of deal. He did an awesome Bloodstrike three-issue miniseries that filled in a gap of issues that never came out. The Brutalist? Yeah, that's what got me onto him. Yeah. I read his uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, oh, he did G.I. Joe, too? He did a little yeah. uh, kind of out of its own. I mean, in the regular continuity but its mm-hmm. own little uh limited series i like his uh his style a lot but anyhow andrew i got something actually a while back i'm not sure Body if i mask? mentioned this or not but um grendel uh soon to be netflix right i think netflix, was that? netflix? yeah yeah oh I mean, we we always say that uh, whatever indie property is out there that has a significant run or following is like a prime target for an adaption, and uh, never has that been more clear. Yeah, I think it's look if you're a creator, or whatever, dust off your thing, get it in front of people. Like, you know, maybe it was the '80s and you just did it for you know you got 20 issues or something or whatever, but. I say people are hot for the content, and yeah. it's shown it's and got Grendel, legs. And Grendel has a lot of content. That yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a that's an on that's lasted a long time. But I meant even if you got something smaller. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think I mentioned that uh, wasn't like Winona Earp was like a hundred issue comic book, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, I have I have the run of this. Not not the early stuff like what was it the grendel primer or the the backups in the mage like i don't have any of that stuff so you're i mean but, I'm not, I, I 
I do have one volume of the trade paperback because, you know, Dark Horse put out those thick, smaller trade paperbacks, and I bought the first one, and I thought it was like the first issue of the title. But I think it was, I forget what it was. But it, I just remember there was a lot of text, a lot of stuff in the beginning. And I was just like, this doesn't seem like. I may have that same one, like it was a big collection. But it's yeah. Small. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah. Like it's it's out of order, but depending upon what you think is the order, right? The, 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 the order the creator wants it released in the order of the continuity or the publishing order. But I was, I think I was expecting like the, um, the first issue of this book, which isn't really the first issue. But anyhow, <laughs> that's all right. I'm sure you can convince some poor sap at the next show you sell at that. It is the first appearance. I mean, it isn't a dollar book, especially with that news. It is not a dollar book. <laughs> Every issue Kevin has is the character's first appearance, strangely enough. We don't know how that happened, but... I mean, break out that uh, Capital City Distributors catalog for the real first appearance that predates the comic. I mean, that's the first appearance. I've seen some of that going on in the last week again. I mean, it's a perennial topic, pretty much. Yeah, why not? Hey, it was in the, uh, you know, Heroes World uh, previews guide, so... (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to say Comico because I think Slurmo brought it up before an ad where they say they're the comic book company. And, yeah, I definitely noticed in here again how they call themselves like the comic company. So I'm thinking Comico, comic company. I can see that. I think for us old people in the air at the time was the Coleco video game system. (laughs) Which I think led us to that, as silly as it is, you know, Coleco was like a big deal. It felt different from the Atari system. I mean, this is a little bit before your time, Kevin, you're a Nintendo baby. But there were some, the Coleco really, I don't know, it just looked like it was really fancy. I mean, I played it, I didn't have one, but I played one of her friends and it felt like, whoa, this is cool. I didn't have a lot, we were a computer family. So I had Uh a Commodore 64 instead, which, you know, they ported a bunch of those games in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, But anyways. Fascinating history. Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. Let's get back to (laughs) on topic. Literally, I've listened to to hours of podcasts on the Atari and all those different things in the 80s and literally. So this is uh, Matt Wagner, right? Any other creative people working on these issues? Or issue I'm, is it just one or? Uh yeah, this is issue one. I mean, I have um, issue two right here, but I didn't get around to it. I thought issue one, you know, that's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I laughed kind of about I the cover. I think he's about to do more too soon. Yeah, it's like like Grendel hasn't concluded. Like stories are still coming out, and since there's multiple Grendels, like yeah, I used like, to like the future ones. Yeah, well, that's what's weird about this cover. Like, it does have the character in full costume on the cover. Like, the this is Christine Spar. But then they have, like, a spaceship car, like a flying car, but, like, that's not really a thing in the issue. Like, it's it seems pretty, like, very much like New York, except when you see, like, 
an occasional like weird thing. Like the everything seems normal and outdated and analog. I mean, I guess it's it's kind of like Batman the animated series from the early '90s, where every, like there's that sense, the retro sensibility, but then you'll see something that doesn't match up exactly. So you might have a flying car, or they'll make a reference to some micro disc or something, but everything seems fairly old-ish, and it's like '80s. So I don't know what that feeling was in the '80s. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, if they didn't all have uh, cell phones, Kevin, we all had cell phones in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> people don't talk about it because we don't want people to be jealous. But yeah, we had all that stuff. We had smartphones, everything, but they kind of didn't get cool. So the technology dropped off about 90 or 91, and then they waited to roll it back out again. So that's how and you can tell a comic my, was really my, made in the 80s. One of my favorite scenes from Batman Beyond is one someone takes up their cell phone and it's this big rocking thing that they put up to their ear and I'm like this is the future but they still have like this massive cell phone I mean cell phones have gotten bigger again like they got incredibly small and then I guess at some point people are like this isn't great so yeah. then they became bigger again so in the future they become really big again well they also have those cars that look like they're from the 40s and they're all filing, firing <laughs> old timey machine guns yeah I love that mishmash aesthetic of like no real time but a retro time yet futuristic tech yeah that's a perfect milieu because you yeah. know what i don't want a realistic bat like batman is not realistic like some rich guy dressed up and beating people up is not interesting but batman is interesting because he lives in this fantasy world <laughs> yes so I, I, it's kind of funny on the cover. It says parental guidance suggested, not recommended, not demanded, just, you know, suggested. Well, they can't really, I don't think there's any enforcement mechanism. Like, they're not going to make uh, comic book stores and newsstands ID people. No, but usually they, if something has a rating, they just have the rating. And then you can do whatever you want with yeah. that. But I just say, hey, if you if you maybe you're not old enough for this, so just take that into account. So yeah, this is um, I guess this is the first story I believe with uh, with this character with Spar. I believe, anyways. Like I tried to read the little intro that Wagner has here, and then there's like a little extra intro in here. Is but that like the one they're adapting, or you don't know? I don't really... I heard the news, but uh -huh. I don't really read the... That's. I just wait till it comes out. Like, I don't follow, like, who's cast and what's going on. Yeah, I I might be mistaken, but I think it was Hunter Rose that they are doing. Okay. But I'm like, they can do an anthology, like, at any moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's successful, like, that's yeah. uh, spinoffs and all that. But I just didn't know if you're, like... Yeah, this is the one, kids. Yeah, so like they show the costume on the cover, which is kind of like spoilery of the last page, which is also uh, the first time you see her in costume. Spoilery. <laughs> Kevin, they got to get people by the comic. This wasn't <laughs> the age where everyone's reading previews all the time and checking the internet. I mean, we had smartphones, but we didn't have the World Wide Web to... Check all bleeding cools in your comics journal websites. 
No, didn't you go on ARPANET and look up when uh, the latest uh, Comico comics were coming out? <laughs> well, they did have a pretty good web page, I gotta say. <laughs> when did this thing come out? 86 or something? Yeah, 86. So you, you were, uh, it was all text based. <laughs> yeah, well, you could do graphics with the ASCII characters that were pretty I, impressive. This is, this is true. You were on those news groups at the university, right? And you're like, well, when am I getting my, my next issue? Well, a little bit before my time at uni, but yeah, you know, the engineering school was right next door, so I was somewhat familiar, and I took some computer classes, but back then, computer classes were learning basic on a simple machine that had, like, no hard drive, no nothing. I mean, Uh, the C64 was not the computing machine you may have thought heard on your podcast, Kevin. Uh, almost, almost the same thing as nowadays where people are Fortran and all those things are still, uh, still kicking around. Hey, I took Fortran in college. <laughs> Even <laughs> then I was like, I don't think this is the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you would have specialized in it though, someone needs to keep these Lego legacy right. applications going. So Me it would have been six other guys in the world, <laughs> but that's a pretty tedious, it, those things. All right, we're getting off topic, but let's just say <laughs> for old people, like, those things didn't have instant compilers. You had to compile them through, you know, a compiler, which meant oh, yeah. there was a long delay in debugging. Oh, yeah. And we'll leave it at that. So now kids are used to instant debugging. That that stuff didn't happen. Like, you had to go get a cup of coffee, check your cell phone, whatever, while you waited for that thing to... Check your cell phone. To go down. But anyways, Kevin, uh, here we are with an exciting first issue. So you get introduced to her in character. What do you think? Was it exciting? It's not the most captivating thing, but it's not the least captivating thing. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Good. Like That, that sounds like I, I'm like... Yeah, it sounded like a slam at the first. Yeah, you're like, eh... You know, I wouldn't wipe my butt with it, but <laughs> I wouldn't cross the street to pick it out of the gutter either. Like, come on, I have a little heart. It's a Netflix show now. <laughs> no, I I think it's it's perfectly enjoyable. So, like, the, it, it seems like they're they're a bit into uh, like a, a investigative uh, journalism, a little bit of that crime beat stuff, and then they have some friends. They. They go out to uh, Radio City uh, Kabuki Theater. Uh, Kabuki, Dave Max Kabuki does not show up. Um, would have been a little weird. Uh, they meet up with the with this the the act that's doing the the whole thing on the stage, and then he he's kind of he does this whole thing where he's like licking people's fingers. That they keep on bringing up, and then and then you're like maybe this guy's a creep, and it, it, it's sort of. Um, I guess he has some kind of maybe like he almost does a number on her where where it's like some hypnotizing, mesmerizing thing. But she has like a kid. So I guess he really hypnotizes the kid. Maybe kids are easier to persuasion, right? And apparently he's done this to other people in other cities. Like they like they reference Toronto. Several times. So maybe he's like kidnapped other kids or something. 
And then you're and then you're like, oh, I wonder if this is going down some angle, like some weird into getting into some weird stuff. But we never really find out this issue. So, I mean, maybe it's going to be some weird child abduction or trafficking story. I'm not quite sure yet. Did you feel like you were you you were able to understand? Like you didn't have to read the other stuff. Like this stands on its own. Yeah, it, it it's. It's fairly like that. Like they keep on referencing something, and I was like, "Am I supposed to know what this is?" Like I'm not sure if it's part of the the world or if it's something that happened previously. But I'm like, I think it could be either. Like it could have been another one, but like there's some displacement from my from that series to this series. All right. So do you think you'll find more more of them or no? Uh, I have a complete run. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excellent. Fun, funny enough, like, when I find complete runs of things, like, this is one of those things I found online. It was a complete run. So I'm like, even though, see, I've definitely found some of these issues in, like, the bargain bins. And I was kind of, I'm like, it'll probably take a real long time to complete that run from the bargain bin. So if I see something for like a dollar or two or three per issue, and I'm like, that's probably more than you want to pay for a bargain bin stuff. But it's, I'm like, well, it's near mint. It's a complete run. And then I'm like, Hot. and then the time and effort and everything to do that, I'm like, I kind of feel like it's worth it. No, I, I've moved to your viewpoint. Um I will pay a little bit extra just to have everything because yeah. I found sometimes there'll be like one or two issues that just are hard to, there was like a low print. There's whatever reason like, Oh, number six is just hard to find or whatever. So nothing like having them holes sitting there forever. And then I, if I want to read it as a whole batch, I don't want to skip six and read it later, you know? So yeah. no, I'm, 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 I'm completely on board. I know Phil is. Just buy it all. That's <laughs> true. And I guess I could have got the trade paperbacks and everything, but those are, you know, smaller and everything. And I'm like, I see some indie books. And I'm like, no one's going to be, well, I shouldn't say no one. I mean, it it is a series that has more popularity than some of the other things I bought. But still, like, it's it's 80s comics and on up. So this series is like, like obviously, I had I had no idea. Good forethought though to buy it with the, you know, getting adapted. But you just see whatever series, and I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool. I've heard about that. Also got Elementals, which I think cost more than the Grendel series. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it is a lot of comics for something you might not be interested in, in technically. But I mean, I can't pass up some things like that. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's not like the creator's unknown. It's it, like when I bought that, like the what was it, the Dragon Force or whatever. Like I had never, like I, you like you might know one of the people, like the artist or whoever, and then you're just like, oh, that that seems good enough. But yeah, I like Matt Wagner, uh, quality creator. I don't think I ever gave you all the creators, Andrew. Yeah, who was it, Matt Wagner? Uh, Arnold and Jacob uh, Pander. As uh, penciled by, uh, inks by Jay Geldof, 
and then lettered by uh, Steve Haney, uh, colored by Tom Vincent, and edited by uh, Diana Schultz. Nice. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, I don't know if I could really tell a difference. I guess I would have to look more in depth at Wagner's, like, Batman or whatever, something more recent to see, like, the differences in the style. Like, to me, this is very clear, straight, straightforward. I mean, maybe more stylized and professional than other, like, 80 series that comes out with the first issue, but this is not, like, his first, first work anyway, so... I mean, very well done. Easy to understand and everything. And then they also have some uh, interesting ads in here where they talk about uh, there's a Grendel graphic novel coming out, and I guess it's all the the backups that were in uh, Wagner's Mage. So it's funny that they say intended as, in the intended format, the graphic novel. And I'm like, that's I think that's still novel for like 86. Yeah. And then they they mention in here, um, it has an introduction by esteemed writer Alan Moore, but they have two L's in Alan. Never I mean, heard I of him. <laughs> if you're going to keep bringing up obscure, is he some Canadian guy I'm supposed to have heard of, Kevin? Of course. And then they and they mention all these uh, other people that are that are doing like um, like a pinup gallery, and it's like a who's who basically of, of a bunch of creators. And then they also have the 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 comical blimp, which is like their um, editorial publisher page to tell you what's coming out and everything. And then they go into this whole thing, which I thought was, was pretty interesting. Like, sometimes I don't look at this stuff or I just skim through it, but this one I, I was actually pretty interested in because they go into this thing about how they were distributing through comic shops, and now they're able to get on to the newsstand through capital distribution. So that was that was kind of an interesting historical thing. And then they say something like, 3,000-odd comic books, especially stores in North America in 1986. And I'm like, wow, it's already the 3,000 type of thing. I mean, that must balloon to, I don't even know what the number would be. And then they have someone writing in um, with a letter. I think it was from um, originally from Comic Buyer's Guide. And it's funny, they say the industry's weekly newspaper. And then he talks about uh, reading comics for over 25 years. So then, of course, I'm like 86. I like worked it back. And I'm like, that is insane. And about how he would go down to the newsstand and buy his comics. And then, you know, there was comic book specialty stores, but you know, he likes going to the same place, buy the comics, and then he saw that comico stuff was not on the newsstand, and I was just like, that is so crazy. <laughs> Kevin, I, <laughs> like, I like to, these little I hate to break it to you, but you've been historical reading historical insight. You've been reading comics for over 25 years. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's weird. Like, we did the thing, right? Like, if, you, if you're thinking of like 1961 to 1986, like that, that blows my mind. I can't even. Like, I, I guess if you do like 1990 or whatever year you want to do to like something in modern time, like, I, like it's 
totally different, but I don't know if it's is it enough difference from a sixty one to an eighty six? Like eighty six is like the greatest year in comics, and in sixty one is is it unreal? <laughs> like I don't know if we ha- we have that weird timey wimey thing, but I don't know. It's just that is weird. Hey, I think as a guy who's trying to read nineties comics now. They were pretty. They're pretty different from the comics today, <laughs> Kevin. I mean, they are, yeah. But I feel like, like that's pretty crazy. If you're re- like everything totally changed. I mean, I guess everything totally changed now too. But I mean, comics are. I don't know. I maybe I I just don't have the perspective. I'm like, how can you like you you have to put yourself into that thing but it's like it's something you can never like you can never see completely from the outside like it feels like there's less of a jump from 90s comics to like modern era comics yes i don't know that 90s was a different time oh definitely a different time all right i've got uh do you guys want to want me to talk about a publisher deep dive that i learned about I believe the answer is yes. Well, uh, there's danger of social media, and that is you discover things. Uh, Slurmo posted, reposted a tweet about some Kevin O'Neill, Pat Mills comic work from the, you know, as everyone knows, I like martial law, I like those creators a lot. Yeah. And they had worked for a company I had never heard of, Roger Corman's Cosmic Comics. I guess, Phil, you had heard of these people? Yeah. Yeah, because I, uh, I have a few of those death races there that you have. Oops, I just spoiled it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I <laughs> I, uh, I went and, uh, like you and Kevin, bought the whole series. There's only eight issues of yeah. the Death Race 2020, so it wasn't a significant investment. But I was like, I just got to buy these sight unseen. Never heard of this company. It's the mid-90s. My understanding is the company lasted less than a year, so I wasn't really missing out. I don't know much about the company. Did they mostly do, like, movie tie-ins or something? Yes, or? it seemed to be mostly Corman proper. Uh, for oh, those yeah, of you that true, don't yeah. know, Roger Corman was a movie producer notorious for low-budget films. He also imported foreign films, but his big thing was low-budget. And the Death Race movie, the original, was the one I was familiar with, mm-hmm. familiar I mean, I haven't seen it since high school. Yeah, it came out in 75. It was kind of viral or meme-worthy before that was a thing. The thing that had translated to popular culture was the grim joke about running over people to score points. Yeah. That's the premise of the film. Features uh, David Carradine, Sylvester Stallone, uh, a lot of... uh, Corman's like core, Mary Warnoff, like the people you see in Roger Corman films. David Carradine's another great example. A fun movie. I actually rewatched it on it Tubi. Yeah. The one thing that's weird about that era, for those of you that don't it's know. It's funny because I watched it on Tubi also. I assume it worked better in film, but the fake blood is that weird orange stuff they used. And I, mm-hmm. I guess it's the color correction, or maybe you they didn't maintain the film stock or something. But it has a distinct orange tint to it. <laughs> it's always fun. But it's fun. You know, it's going to be 
uh, cheesy exploitation. Then the premise is there's a race across an apocalyptic U.S. where all these people and David Carradine is the main character, Frankenstein, are going to get points by running over people. And spoiler from a movie from 1975, you think he's into the race and he is, but the whole why he wants to win is he wants to kill the president. And at the end he does and he, you know, reforms the country and marries his navigator who they were at odds and everything and. A fun, if you like exploitation movies, go watch it. I did, Corman ended up rebooting the franchise with a remake, Death mm-hmm. Race 2050, that I watched also on Tubi. Um, I liked it. It's basically, they keep the Frankenstein and the president. They have different archetypes for the other drivers. I enjoyed it. I think I the sentimental favorite of the old film was better. For me, also, I felt some of the designs I liked actually in the older film. I thought the vehicle redesigns were a little too ornate. So therefore, when they're driving the scenes, they do that. Both films do that where they speed up the footage. But in the newer film, they have all this extra crap on the cars. And you can tell it's kind of shakes and moves. Because clearly it's not. They didn't build a bunch of custom. Like, Mm -hmm. they just took stock cards and put crap on them. So aesthetically, I like, but anyways, that's it. They also had a high dollar remake that started in 2008. I haven't seen any of those. There's been two or three of them. Phil, oh, did you see the, the Jason? Oh, okay. Yeah, have, I have, have them you... all. Oh. <laughs> Are they good? I haven't seen any of those. Uh, ones. Well, it's not that they're good. It's just I've always liked that car race where you like travel around uh, like a big race around and where it's like apocalyptic a bit and stuff. Like, uh, or even like there was a show with Nathan Fillion drive, not where they run over people, but it was like shady race. Yeah. Mad Max is another one. I just like that kind of story. And so it's kind of a guild. So I'll buy them for like, if I see them for five bucks or something like that, like my first one, it collects the first three, I think, or first two. But yeah, I I like the first one a lot. And uh, after that, it's kind of, you know. It's not as, uh, I guess, high budget as you'd say. Yeah, well, it certainly has to be higher budget than the one in 75. I mean, yeah. Jason Statham alone. But I, I prefer the old one first and then the remake, yeah. So, uh, what the other thing that's weird. Okay, so Roger Corman, this producer, creates a comic book company that's going to last a hot minute. Because, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Kevin, I believe... The mid-90s was not a great time to start a comic book company. You probably uh, wanted to start it in 90. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not 95. Uh, yeah, 95, it's it's like you didn't hear about the crash that was ongoing. <laughs> well, I assume there's a certain amount of, like, you're already pot committed or whatever. But this is uh, the team on... Uh, we're going to cover the issues quickly. It's more the experience, but it's a Pat Mills working with Tony Skinner as co-writers. They were part of the British invasion when they came over. I don't know if they physically came over or just started getting work for American publishers. I think I've mentioned this team worked on some of the Marvel 2099 books. Yes. So um, uh, accident man was probably how I knew them. That was what that was. It's the premise is a hitman who stages all his hits to look like accidents. 
the actor stunt guy Scott Atkins. I don't know if you guys know him. Nope. He's more of a stunt man, but he's also an actor. He did his own low budget version film adaptation of Accident Man that I rented mm-hmm. was kind of fun. I mean it's he was one of the goons in Doctor Strange. That one okay. of the Cassius's disciples that beats up Doctor Strange. That's that's his in big roles, that's his thing, but in small ones, he's like the hero who kung fu's everybody. But anyways, mm-hmm. that's off. And then Kevin O'Neill, need I say more. Uh most recently League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but just uh incredible. And then on the first issue, Christine Barnett, colorist, digital chameleon. Gotta love that. Uh one of the gimmicks was they also had a one-page strip with rotating artists about celebrity uh, fatal car crashes. And this one was David <laughs> Cooper, which is always kind of a weird subject. But most of the ads in this are um, uh, band ads, ads for music that aren't house ads. So this one is about Cliff Burton, who was a bassist for the rock band Metallica that you may or may not heard of. Uh, just as they were exploding on the scene. They had been part of the metal scene, but as they were in the process, before they crossed over to more mainstream, they had a bass player who died. And Technically, it was a bus accident, but we'll let it sit in Celebrity Car Crash Corner. I mean, you know, I think for the first one, that's weird that you would choose something that's clearly not a car accident, but a bus accident. But that sort of pedantry is why you come to the show. For the archivist of today, the problem, for some weird reason, we lost Comic Book DB. I think Kevin attacked the site or something. I don't know why. But it makes finding sure. older I comics I mean, there hard. is seven degrees of separation in that situation. Yeah, we know you were spamming them with those denial of service attacks, Kevin. So you could bring them down. So you would be the repository of all knowledge. But part of my issue when researching these is now I'm forced to use the comic book seller websites, my comic shop, Mile High Comics, and all that. Really? As a way to kind of backdoor. Now, they don't often have these issues, but they'll usually have a record of them. So I was like, oh, so I looked up Roger Corman's Cosmic Comics. And for some weird reason, two of the titles that their house ads for under both sites are under the publisher Cosmic Comics. So, hmm. Burial of the Rats, which is a Bram Stoker's one with Jerry Prosser, Francisco Solano, Lopez, and Val Merrick. And a Little Shop of Horrors comic. The Welcome to the Little Shop of Horrors, both, if you look at those sites, mm-hmm. are under publisher Cosmic Comics. If you look under publisher Roger Corman's Cosmic Comics, mm-hmm. you will find Death Race 2000, uh, uh, Caged Heat 3000, I've never seen that one. I don't think I don't that film that is film. streaming. I couldn't find it. Obviously, yeah, that's a continuation of the classic women's prison exploitation film, Cage oh, Heat. That's why I haven't seen any of those movies. Oh, really? You should at least check out some. Like, it's a whole... I mean, the genre is quite repetitive, but you mm-hmm. should at least familiarize yourself with one of the entrees into the women in prison films film. Yeah. I always figured they were pretty, uh, like, just like softcore... They some of them are in some while there is loads of nudity there's more just a weird vibe to them Mm -hmm. about these like badass women that got to get out of jail and done wrong by men and yeah it just 
I don't want to. I don't know. I think they're they're kind of funny, and it's just something to try. I doubt you'll be into it, but you know, it's ninety minutes, and any of them. There are millions of these things. Doesn't even yeah. have to be the cage heat if there's some actor or director you like. I would. I've say, never yeah. even heard of the cage heat. Usually, I know a lot of that. Oh stuff. yeah, that's a that's a big one. But there's a whole. Like when Ilsa, she wolf of the SS, I think is related. I know that one. Yeah. yeah, that's the same kind of like women in jail sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so I Cage Heat 3000, I was looking around. Maybe it's, I don't think it ever made it to streaming. I think it was direct to video and was such a turkey that no one, not even Amazon. Like, well, I, I mean, they pull up like VHSs, but like I can't find yeah. it streaming. Because I feel like Tubi is the kind of thing that they get a lot of those movies yeah. right like, like they have a full moon section I, I could see them getting a corbin section at one point you know yeah i think i wonder if he just has i also my concern is with those older movies i just wonder if the rights are a little confusing where now if you're making some knockoff exploit you know you're mm-hmm. thinking streaming from the get-go yeah. But back then, I don't know how it works. But anyways, you get I know. I feel like a lot of those movies are pretty cheap. That's why you see them on like Tubi and stuff. You know, like yeah. channels like. But I often wonder if they're a little bit nervous about. Turns out somebody bought the rights to it back in '92, or you know what I mean, that sort of thing. But I guess they'll just take it down if there is a problem. But yeah, I could not find Kate. But the other comic that is under the Roger Corman Cosmic Comics publisher is Rock and Roll High School. They did two issues of that. Rock, 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 and and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Rock and Roll High School, but no, I I'm surprised that's even a Corbin film. Yeah, it's uh the Ramones. It's another silly kind oh. of. Uh, so it, it had rock instead of rock and roll. Yeah, but I again another sentimental favorite. I was liked Rock and Roll High School. So some of those I might keep my little eyes out and eBay out. The problem is. The Cage Heat ones seem pretty readily available. There are three issues. There's only two of the Rock and Roll High School. Uh, the, and same with the Burial and the Little Shop of Horrors one you can pick up. Mm-hmm. But the Rock and Roll High School seems the most interesting outside of Death Race 2000. But that's all I could find. I'd like to under, get the Little Shop one. Under all of those bands. Under all those different mm-hmm. publishers. It's just weird that they're under two different publishing names, even though I can't tell any. Well, no, it's- well, the other ones must be just a line, you know? Like, it would be Corbin's line in that publisher. Uh, but it, there are still, like, Cosmic Com... I don't know. It's a weird thing that uh, maybe there's some tax reason or what. But it, it was frustrating because I thought those other two comics didn't exist because everywhere I was looking under that publisher, it just showed yeah. three titles versus two. But anyways, just so you guys know, if you want to get all... Those are the only five I'm aware of. Somebody on eBay currently is trying to sell a promo pack which claims to have some unpublished issues. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Mm. I'm not willing to risk several hundred dollars to find out. So <laughs> well, it's several several hundred dollars. Yeah. I think they offering the asking price is five hundred with you oh, know, wow. make an offer price and I'm like, yeah, I'm not Thanks. <laughs> I'm curious about the unpublished work, but I also don't know. Yeah. I'd pay like forty bucks maybe <laughs> <laughs> So what? why this is particularly weird for me is the martial law character is very similar. Frankenstein is in yeah, black leather yep. with like this eagle crest and like red, white, and blue. And he fires a ton of guns. 
So, like, this is just like a martial look. Like, except for the veneer, it's like a post-apocalyptic veneer, which was somewhat martial law. It's just missing the superhero element. Although, yeah. those people well, with weird... Of, yeah, they're kind of superheroes. Costumes, you know, personalities, so... It's kind of like that in a way, you know? I'm not really sure Skinner and Mills watched the original movie. I think they might have mm-hmm. just gotten the, the log line that it's like a big race and that's it. So it starts with uh, Frankenstein is president. And he's outlawed the race, but various factions want the race in- reinstalled. But I do like that he has Road Force One instead of Air Force One, his vehicle is like a 10-story tall tank. And, you know, it's the usual violent drive-around. He's going to come around and get in this. The series ends on a cliffhanger. So, if that's going to be a problem, don't. I'm glad I got these. I love it. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize when I bought it is, you know, the first three issues, I'm loving it. Issue four. And the creative change, eh? Yes, issue four. Didn't quite realize... Um, the cover, I'm like, that's not Kevin O'Neill. It's uh, Trevor Goring and Dan yeah. Schaefer take over. Not familiar it's with Trevor true. Goring. That's why, for me, it was, uh, I remember, I think, like, in the first three issues, and then after that, I was like, uh, I don't have them all, though, but. No. I uh, googled Trevor Goring, and he's like a fine artist. And he works a lot in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it was the wrong Trevor Goring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that weird, like, two artists... One was yep. a comic book guy, and the other was a fine artist. And this is no knock on Mr. Goring or Schaefer. It's just hard to, you know, like you're grooving with Kevin O'Neill. And, and well, that's the reason you got it, too, right? Yeah. Like, so, you know, for, those car- for those creators. But they spent some money. Issue 5 has a cover by Stan and Vince, who are an art team. They now do... um. Re, like their own kind of movie posters mm-hmm. of different films so you can see them so it's not like they didn't bring in people like some of the guest covers and then what killed me also was eight brought kevin o'neill back but just for the cover <laughs> oh, okay which is kind of like oh but i, yeah. I wanted to, you know you get uh, excited because you're just looking at the covers and then you so i never that. read eight but that doesn't continue into the 2050 movie no, it because it's a whole different twenty. Because this one's considered kind of a sequel. Really? Series. Yeah. Interesting. I guess so. Maybe I should have thought of it in connection with the twenty fifty one. Yeah. Rather than the twenty. I haven't seen I... the twenty fifty one myself. That's actually the one I didn't even know about that one. It's on a uh, Tubi, Phil. <laughs> yeah, so check that out probably tonight. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Malcolm McDowell plays the president. Oh, I love him. Yeah, I like so him he's a very hammy and cheesy in that. Mm-hmm. Also, for those of you that don't know, unfortunately, these, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of nudity in these silly movies. So if that's a problem, along with the gratuitous violence. But yeah, it was just funny that, like, you know, they're publishing letters in the back and everything is going along. And then that's just it. Like, yeah. that's the last issue I've been able to find. Mm-hmm. Well, it's only big, eight issues. That's yeah, it. they have a big ad for the uh, Rock and Roll High School, like White Zombie, the band. Like, it seems like they were getting ads. They do profiles of some of the people that are working for the company in these various issues. It was just a weird... I mean, I guess what are you going to do? Like, 
you're probably just going to wrap up shop at some point. Maybe there's yeah. no good time to pull the trigger. But and I didn't know if they would like know. How many, how many comic stores did that make it to? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. And especially, I I really don't know about those ads. I mean, it just seems weird to have... Music ads, yeah. Yeah, white zombie. like that, they, would, that wouldn't they? appeal to me at all, seeing ads like that <laughs> back then. And the Cage Heat 3000 ad. Ask f- for this in November at your local video store. <laughs> like, Yeah, if it's not even streaming, you know it's not good. But the Cage Heat 3000 book, those issues are around. I'll probably pick it up at some point. Mm-hmm. It seems uh, they also feature soundtracks you can buy at this. And it seems like they got, you know, res- reasonable creators. I just think the market in 95 or... 94 whenever they put this together was not sustainable for this which is a shame um i don't know where the rights are or whatever i think it would be funny if someone made some pitch to like wrap up these issues you know like do like a roger cormick and cosmic comics res- resolution because i have to think that cage sheet and rock and roll high school probably left off on cliffhangers as well too i don't know but totally worth it. Love it. I mean, in hindsight, I would probably say, for me personally, those first three Kevin O'Neill issues probably could yeah. have been it. But I'm glad I got the whole thing. The rest of it's fine. I like Pat Mills and Skinner. Their kind of dark sense of humor fits in with that world of everything. But because it's written in the mid-90s, much like when the films end, they're kind of critiquing and parodying whatever's at the moment. Yeah. So it kind of ends its development of the 90s. I thought the 2051 could have had more teeth in it, too. Like, there's more stuff to make fun of in the, you know, 45 years since the first one was made. But Mm. I'll be curious if you watch it, Phil, what you think of it. Well, I'm definitely watching it because, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't know about that one. Or maybe I did, but I just forgot about it. But I've definitely never seen it. Yeah. It's just funny they call it like a sequel when it's clearly a remake. Mm-hmm. Like Frankenstein's the driver, Annie is his navit like and they reference it's, points it's in the, the seventy five characters. Mil. Well Frankenstein could be a new character, but it's it's the same girl though. It's the same girl. Also yeah. it's a lot of the same beats. I mean, the other four drivers are different. They're making mm-hmm. fun of di- like uh, the Sylvester Stallone machine gun Joe Paterbo is now Perfectus, and it's kind of a different archetype. And that mm-hmm. the actor did fine, that part didn't work, and then they have a religious zealot lady who's kind of like some Midwestern preacher type for yeah. taking the place of the, uh, of, um, wait, how old is this movie? The 2015 the hunt. that came out in, uh, 2015, 16, I 17? saw it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it. Okay. I definitely saw that one. Yeah. That was a weird one. Yeah. It was weird that they remade the movie. I thought they you were talking it. about an old one. Oh no. Was- this oh, one okay, was... yeah, no, I saw that one. That was a weird one for sure, yeah. Strange. I mean, it had some parts that worked, but yeah, just a weird, <laughs> weird franchise. And I don't know if that concept of the death race idea was in pop culture before that, or Roger Corman solidified it, but I can tell you by the 80s, that mm-hmm. kind of dark joke was a uh, well-ensconced in society. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Man, that was a lot of Andy... Argle bargling on. Do we have anything quick to wrap up or? Uh, I have something. All right. Give it to, sock it to me. All right. 
I have something called Echolands by, uh, from Image Comics by uh, J.H. Williams III. Um, isn't it? Oh, yeah. W. Hayden Blackman, uh, Dave Stewart, and Todd Klein. So this is quite the package. Uh, it's, a, it's like a sideways comic. Like the staple is on the, on the top. And it's like a heavy paper like stock glossy look. cover. Issues. And it's like, it's, <laughs> I know this, this keeps on coming up, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, a a lot of, a text block here, <laughs> I guess you could say, but it's funny the way it's used because it's like the first page is basically like an entire series. So while it might be like a text block, it's like the origin, like what happens in an, in an entire series. And then there's like, I'm not like a, maybe thought balloons or just lots of information and all these different images like intersecting together. And like you get that one page and then it's like, it, it goes into like maybe um, to the beginning, we could say. Because they say, but things weren't always that way. So it's funny that, like, that could be the, like, maybe the last image of the series will be our title character here, um, what they call the red, is facing off against this elongated man. So maybe that will be, like, the last issue. Who knows? We'll see. But yeah, after that, it's it's like this nonstop, like crazy type of chase. I guess partial heist, absolute bonkers world. It's it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, needless to say, J.H. Williams' art is always uh, worth the price of a mission on its own. Like he puts all this work into incorporating all the different panels and different layouts and different styles. Cause you'll have like, there's a point where they get like the characters is with someone else with a giant ax on their back. They get trapped in an alleyway and they're like, Oh, this wasn't here before. And he says, what do you mean? This wasn't here before. Like this, this place changes like every few days type of thing. So there's sometimes there's just tons of people and stuff crammed into this place. And if you look closely, it looks like Frankenstein is like is like talking to a vampire. And then behind that you see like some guy like out of Dick Tracy. And like some of these guys are like in black and white. Or or they'll be like done in a different art style from a from a different time period. Like there'll be like some super photo referenced guy from like two thousand and seven walking side by side with someone drawn like they're from some comic book from 1953. Like, it's wild. That sounds very cool. I like when things are mixed up like that. Yeah, so, like, there's there's not a whole lot of story yet, but there's a lot of action, a lot of visual stuff going on, and a lot of mystery. Because you never really... You always feel like you're, like you're 
in some crazy realm. You're like floating off, trying to get your head straight, and you never really get that moment where you know exactly what's going on. And then, like, I guess you could say these guys that have like these giant arrows are maybe Nazis. Like, I'm not 100 percent sure, but then they have these guns that that make a the whip sound, but they also make a bzzz. And then, like, a web comes out. It's 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 very all over the place. <laughs> but totally keeps your attention the entire time. I mean, the only thing I could... Maybe not the only thing, but... It, like, you remember how... How Ruse was still a... From CrossGen was still a traditional comic. But, it, but every page was, like, a double page. It was a splash page, but it wasn't... It wasn't. Like I, it was a I only read the Marvel. I only read the Marvel reboot of it. I, I, oh, okay. I yeah, that was, that was that was exciting. I mean, none of the, I don't think any of those cross-gen, second-gen books were ever captured the, the magic of the original no, series. Definitely not. Yeah, but but this is it's it's sort of like that, except the comic is sideways. And like, and some of these are like some of the sequences are just Marvel used crazier. to do that in uh, I think the nineties because there was a Fantastic Four issue I have, and then X Force and Spider Man had some sideways issues when they crossed over. Yeah, I know that Marvel at one point they tried to say it was like Marvel Vision or something. So yeah, but the, this red character I guess has some kind of like they have a red hood. And like a red cape, and I guess they have some kind of powers that that possibly this police force or whoever is concerned about, so that when they use their powers, sometimes like everything in the area of their ability will just turn black and white. So very interesting, and very much on board for uh, seeing where all this goes. And then there's a little bit of. Uh, extra stuff in the back where there's like a little uh interview with like a character and a little another little um bonus comic strip and then uh a little bit from the creators and also a massive uh playlist of what J.H. Williams the third was uh listening to while they were drawing this uh this chapter of this story most of which I don't know who all these people are. So, this, I mean, lots of David Bowie. Is this a limited series? Do you know, or like meant to be an ongoing? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I noticed that image is followed like that Marvel example from I'm going to say the early 2000s, where I never know anymore. Usually, I kind of wonder if some of that is the creator doing it because I think there's still people that say like issue one of 15 or whatever. And it's like, that's almost, you can almost say that was an ongoing series that were in 15 months rather than a 15 issue limited series. So I'm not, I assume this is an ongoing, but I mean, how can you keep up this level of detail yeah. and this craziness going for very long? I don't but know. It's one of those ideas like, like the creators had for uh, for many many years, like like childhood type of level of hey, I want to see this idea through. 
Yeah, I don't, I'm not one of those people that's turned off by limited series or anything. So, um, but I understand them keeping it vague because maybe it'll get continued or maybe not. It's just good to know sometimes when I think about consuming the story or whatever, but eh, sounds like it's good anyways. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is, uh, I would, just the I first think, issue out? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, the second issue might be out. By the time this gets posted in, uh, yeah, I'm thinking in January 2045. See, that used to be a good joke, but the episodes come out so regularly yeah. now. I don't know if we can really. Wait, no, no. I mean, maybe you get maybe something happens, and then we have that three month gap or something, and then it's like, hey, January. All right. Well, we're 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 about my limit where I like to cut these things off. But does anyone have any last thing they want to say? Uh, Druck, uh, just hope for the best, <laughs> I guess. Uh, maybe we'll just all get lucky. Uh, what about booster shots? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, I guess keep uh, loose. <laughs> keep loose, everyone. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you guys later.